He should have seen it earlier. He had been distracted by how important bridgemen were to the battles. If the bridges didn't arrive at the chasms, then the army couldn't cross. But each bridge crew was kept well stocked with bodies, and twice as many bridge crews were sent on an assault as needed. Seeing a bridge fall must give the Parshendi a great sense of satisfaction, and they usually go to drop two or three bridges on every chasm run. Sometimes more. So long as bridgemen were dying and the Parshendi didn't spend their time firing on soldiers, Sadius had reason to keep the bridgemen vulnerable. Heroes of presents Stormpod, a Stormlight Archive podcast. Book one, The Way of Kings. Spoiler warning, we are covering chapters 39 and 40. Um, you might get spoiled, so make sure that you're all caught up. Um, and if you are caught up, enjoy the episode. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Sean Q, and he always takes a chance on being hung as food instead of straight execution. It's Jack. What's up, man? <laughs> hey, how you doing? Good, man. What? So what's your uh, choice? Do you just get shot or do you want to hang around for a couple of days and maybe a great shell eat you? <laughs> uh, I think I'll choose the chance. Uh, I really that's that was a fascinating discussion. And it that was. was in that was in uh, chapter 40. Right. Yeah. So today we're covering 39 and 40 mm-hmm. uh, from the way of Kings. But yeah, that was I mean, what an amazing thing to think about so i I really want to talk more to you more with you about that upcoming but that's just yeah we can get there later but well well, what's your choice my choice is you you have to choose being hung right you have to choose it because uh, i mean otherwise it's you you know you've got nothing if you get strung up as bait for a chasm fiend or a giant or great shell yeah then you at least have i guess a chance but yeah, like if, but not really. It's it's no, really no bizarre. Chance. It's a really bizarre conversation. That's what Sigil says. He's like, "There's no chance. No one's ever survived it. But no one's ever if, survived." But if uh, comic books and movies and fantasy adventure stories have told me anything, is yeah, that yeah. it's far better to um, not be killed and buy your time, and maybe someone will come and save you, or you'll save yourself, right. or something will happen. So well, every every once in a while, a Kaladin storm blessed. Right. comes comes into your life right yeah or, so, or maybe you end up being a Kaladin storm well uh, that would survive. be even better <laughs> that would right. be even better of course <laughs> yeah um you this, take the chance these these two chapters were really good 40 ended kind of like how some of the other ones ended for me where it was just kind of heavy yeah you know it was just another one of the heavy chapters that we've had previously with um with Kaladin but but let's start start with burned burned into her chapter 39 um, opening quote, within a heartbeat, yeah. Alazarv was there crossing great distances. This is from a folk tale recorded from Among the Dark-Eyed by someone named Kalanam. And there's a mention here of the Oath Gates. I, I don't know if yeah. we've heard that term before. Stories, 
stories of instantaneous travel. Hello, hello. (laughs) Hello, this is grade three. Stories of instantaneous travel and the oath gates pervade these tales. So that's a brand new term for you, oath gates, with a capital O. Yeah, so what's what's up with that uh, kind of a... Is that like a new ability? Is is it a, a physical thing, an oath gate? Is it a... Like something you can create, you can Those manifest. Those are all very, very good questions. Can you manifest a, an oath gate? Can or is it something you eat? Is this a type of jam? Oath, oath, got, <laughs> oath, gates. Oath, gate. Oh, what? It's a cake. Oh, what? Gates. It's a French cake. Oath, gato. Oh, the gato. Oh, gato. I, I'm fascinated by by this quote, of course, but as a first time reader, it just it, it just fills me with more and more and more questions, which is great because I just love how Brandon Mr. Sanderson just keeps doing that over and over and over. Um, we start yeah. the chapter off with Shalon in a closet, her closet like stone chamber in the conclave on Carbranth. This is, of course, in the wake of the previous chapter where she uh, very. I was going to say bravely, but it almost seems kind of rash that she rashly decided to make the switch with the yeah. Fabriel of Yasna. So she's drawing... Sure she... Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, I was just going to say that I'm sure she's been thinking about it for a while, um, thinking about how she was going to do it. She knew that she was going to do it in this kind of moment when Yasna was preoccupied with bath time or something and... She knew that it was going to happen. She had prepared for it. She probably ran a bunch of scenarios in her head, like how she was going to do it. But Mm. um, the opportunity was actually earlier before the lesson. Remember, like when she took her to the alley and stuff, the actual opportunity to do it was when Yasna was in the bathtub with her eyes closed. Um, Mm. What you're saying is that she didn't take the actual opportunity. She did it um, in like with with vengeance on her head or like some kind well, of it, petty. It it actually says so in in this chapter. So mm-hmm. um, I covered that in my notes about it. Um, I forget where it's a little later in my notes, but yeah. So it's basically that that she kind of when when she first started this. Um, coming to Car to Carbrand and finding Yasna, trying to be her ward, trying to get close. Then, then it gets revealed she has an ulterior motive. She, she is a thief. She's after this Fabril to for the mm-hmm. on behest of her family name. Yada yada. Um, you know, she, she um was to steal it from a heretic. She was to steal it from Yasna. This, you know, uh, uh this unpleasant, headstrong woman uh, who. Right who really doesn't really deserve the respect. So I'm going to steal from her and do well by my family. But now right. she's, she's stolen it because of the unpleasant encounter with the thieves mm-hmm. in this, in the streets of Carbranth. It was the lesson that Yasna is, is showing her that is in part, or really the, the sole reason why she hastily, that's why I say sort of rashly or hastily, yeah. Ma- you right. this, made the switch. Yeah, she completely does it off so, the cuff and without mm. thinking it through, even though she thought it through this whole time. Um, she, and what's her conclusion at the end of this chapter, mm. like with the um, the ethical ramifications of what Yasna did in that alley, she pretty much decides that all the philosophers and all of ethics say that she will, that it was okay for her to do it. It still felt wrong, 
but they all the all that we'll talk about later all the different yeah, we'll like philosophical like okay. schools and stuff they they all agree that she's she, she right this is a heavy chapter because of all this philosophy that that yeah. takes place um so she's drawing so so we catch up with her she's she's drawing crazily um in this uh uh in this conclave with for the ferocity there's a single ruby brome that's casting light on her sketches um mm-hmm. uh a blink freezing the world is this is kind of what she does imprinting it in her, right. in her mind this is how she's able to capture her images and 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 do so well drawing them but she had not done that when yasna uh, killed the thieves she was frozen right. by horror uh or morbid fascination is what it says um but right. then she says that the death of those thieves was burned into her right Hence okay. the chapter so, title. so so there we get the chapter title the death yeah. of these thieves was burned into her so she will never forget that lesson right so she didn't need to take the blink because no. the memories are there just like if she had mm-hmm. um the difference between the blink and taking a memory is that once she draws it it's like gone she doesn't have to hold on to it anymore mm-hmm. um, but this will stay forever like she'll be able to draw this scene for the rest of her life because she knows exactly what everything looked like mm-hmm. which is pretty traumatic yep almost like they'd become fire you know like they're the memory right almost like the the, uh, you had mentioned earlier that her room was kind of like this small, tiny cement box, and we didn't really get a, like a, a good description of her quarters here in Carbranth during all this glorious, fun, scholarly time that she's getting, right? Like, we, we never get that description, but we get the description now that Shalon has caught, like, done something criminal. She's stolen the Soulcaster from Yasna and sleeps now in this tiny cement box, kind of a jail cell, even though she's always stayed there we kind of get the, the description now because that's probably how he has, or Shalon feels that she feels mm. guilty. And so she feels like she, she's self, a uh, so. self imprisoned. Yeah. Right. Well, almost. I mean, and really that's, that's what she's doing a little later too. So, right. So she's, so she's been drawing dozens of images, um, since the event. Um, and then she, she's looking for answers herself. So she's looking through all these books on philosophy, just like Yasna instructed, you know, please ruminate on, on this night. Um, right. you, you have a lot of thinking to do. And so she goes to work and she's working on all this stuff. And, um, yeah, this, 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 I mean, this, this is really heavy stuff to, to find as one chapter in a fantasy, um, fantasy series, uh, kill or be killed. That was the philosophy of right. stark of starkness, which appeared to right. exonerate Yasna. Um, mm-hmm. actions are not evil. The intent is evil. So and this is the philosophy of purpose. Philosophy of purpose, which which also appeared to laud Yasna. So Yasna's mm-hmm. intent was to stop the men. So the intent isn't evil, even though the actions could be. Right. Um, morality is separate from the ideals of men. It exists a whole somewhere to be approached, but never truly understood by the mortal. This was the philosophy of ideals, which was claiming that removing evil was ultimately moral, and so destroying evil, Yasna was justified. Right. Um, then the philosophy of aspiration. The objective must be weighed against methods. If the goal is worthy, then the steps taken are worthwhile, even if the actions are reprehensible, mm-hmm. uh, basically calling Yasna's actions ethical. Um, 
So all this discussion is pretty, pretty, pretty hefty stuff. The philosophy of aspiration states that the objective is more important than, than the action. What are your thoughts on all this, like philosophy of, you know, the objection, the, the, in the the book, it's Shalon says in the book that the, you know, like, it seems like all the ethical frameworks exonerate the princess, but they don't take into consideration what the men looked like when they died. Do you know what I mean? That all this like jibber jabber um, uh, scholarly work is all well and good, but they none of these people who wrote these philosophies or came up with these thought experiments were there when those men died. So that almost supersedes everything for her in in, in this moment. The thing the, I want to talk about is the experience, the right. experience the, of their deaths, right? They Seeing their there, horror, so. their terror, yeah. Right. So the thing I want to kind of flip a little bit here is let's go through these, um, it's like four, these four philosophical tenets mm-hmm. and see whether or not Shalon is justified for stealing the Soulcaster. So Starkness says kill or be killed. So um, steal or be stolen. Um, I don't know if that necessarily works very well. <laughs> steal or be stolen. Um, <laughs> I, I guess, I guess steal or see your family's killed. ruin right so, so it's, it's, it's kind of like it's kind of like it's kind of like um it's kind of like st- steal bread and eat or starve like if, if you're right. if you're starving the valjean conundrum yes yes right. yeah so <laughs> what I, I i think there's a bit of a difference there in that you know starving to death um and you know, making sure that your house is wealthy enough to be able to what com- compete with the the other houses, or like to just you know what I mean? It's it's a little it's a little different, right? Like to keep up, uh, um, like the way of life that they have. That's what they want, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. They could completely survive being yeah. poor and getting jobs, but they want to keep up having this beautiful area they live in this nice yeah. palace and all, all these stuff. gardens yeah exactly right. so it's opulence so so this is where like the details kind of matter i think with the discussion like this is that you know um is she justified in stealing the fabril according um, to starkness this is what we're doing we're, let's do it one by according, one according, according to, starkness, to starkness kill or be killed i would say no because no because starkness is saying kill or be killed that, that's a very I just don't think it applies to the theft, more specifically to the theft of a favorable for the purpose of making your family rich or maintaining right. a certain level of... Right. Agreed. Agreed. She's not justified there. But if we look at, if we look at philosophy of purpose, uh, actions are not evil. Intent is evil. Her action of stealing the Soulcaster is not necessarily evil. But her intent in stealing it is to, yet again keep safeguarding her, the yeah, wealth so of her, her family so her, her intent is not evil the, sorry go ahead her her, her her intent is not evil um the the intent to keep your family uh, of a certain level of wealth and influence blah 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 uh for the um the cost if you will of removing a favorable from another rich family um that i don't think in and of itself is evil i think it's uh it's morally questionable is, is I think where, where that would fall, um, in my right. estimation. So, okay. So then, uh, purpose, but, but, but her intent think, isn't evil. I, I would right. say her intent isn't evil. So, so it seems like purpose is maybe, maybe, Maybelline. 
Maybelline. It's Maybelline. Maybelline. <laughs> um, the, the philosophy of purpose seems to think that she is um, not evil, but not really in the right either. She's mm. still stealing. So, what about the the next one? The um, the uh, pur- uh, philosophy, philosophy of, of ideals. ideals. The removing so, evil is the ultimate moral. Well, so I don't think she has this. She does not have idealism on her side. No, she does because not. Because ideally, if you want to speak about ideals, ideally, she wouldn't be in a morally um, compromised position to, mm-hmm. be, to be debating about stealing this thing for her family in the first place. So she can't right. live in an ideal, so the ideals aren't really present for her. So I would say that... Now, again, it's apples to oranges a little bit because, you know... Of course. You're, you're saying remove evil. Like, what, what Yasna did... 99.9% accuracy and we can talk about that because that's really the, the crux of it it's kind of like it's the whole thought crime pre-crime minority report right um little big Great brother movie. you know it's it's this idea that you can foresee into the future what a person's going to do based on past behavior so obviously these criminals had done this before yasna was convinced they approach mm-hmm. the two women they are threatening they they have uh, weapons their intent is more than likely to rob, kill, rape, or otherwise. So Yasna did the world a favor and got rid of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I was telling you, it, w- with regards to ethics, right up until the second that it happens, you don't know. Mm-hmm. So, and that's, that's the whole thing. Like, did, did Yasna do good by preemptively killing these men? It seemed like they were going to kill them. Right, but but right up until the moment, I don't know. It's a really so then the, uh, tricky thing. Philosophy of aspiration says the objective weighed against the method. Right, so the objective was to steal um, the soulcaster, and or no, the method was to steal the soulcaster. The objective is to, is steal. to yep. secure the lives of her family. Correct, and in her eyes, in in Shalon's eyes, this is very important. So I think. I think aspiration maybe would be okay with what she did. She hasn't hurt anybody. She took a broken soul caster and switched it for a good one. And maybe Yasna can fix that broken soul caster. No harm, no foul. Mm-hmm. Right. So. Yeah. Aspiration might be with her on this. Yeah. You're right. It's, mm-hmm. It seems so anyway. It's um, a very small uh, crime that is outweighed by the good it will do in that. Um, like she'll, you know, her parent, her family won't be destitute. They'll be able to live, right? What what I found comical about going through all these philosophies um, in mm-hmm. this chapter was that it was kind of like, geez, it must be kind of a, it, it's a nice world we live in where we can, uh, you know, try to search for or find the philosophy that best suits us to justify our actions. You know what I mean? Like it, yeah. it's, it, it kind of reminds me of like reprehensible behavior of, you know, corporations or um, or politicians that you know try, that are squaring the circle every day, and again they're searching for a way. Maybe not necessarily with with philosophy, but they're certainly doing it with 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 the rules of law, mm-hmm. where they're trying to justify their actions by just you know trying to find the right way to uh, to get something in their corner that uh, that says no 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 this is the way. Yeah, it's uh, I, I like really like I, I really like yeah like Mandalorian. But but one of the things I really liked was this, uh, what is it? Uh, yes, morality is separate from the ideals of men. So going back to the, I don't know if it was the mor- uh, morals, philosophy of purpose or philosophy of 
uh, ideals, but it says that uh, morality is separate from the ideals of men. It exists somewhere whole to be approached, but never truly understood by the mortal. So it's kind of like human understanding. It's like trying to understand a a concept like God or the gods or anything metaphysical. The closer that mortals get to it, the purpose of, of being a god is to take one step away as the mortal gets closer to understanding. Mm-hmm. Because the, the immortal or the metaphysical must always be out of reach. Yeah, it makes sense. Or... I mean, it, it, it cannot be understood, otherwise it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be metaphysical. It wouldn't lie outside of mort- mortality. You know what I mean? So if, if it's knowable, mm-hmm. if it's knowable, then it can't be uh, God or the concept of, you know, um, of the metaphysical. Like the, the metaphysical must take, like if, if you take one step toward truth, uh, it must take another step in, in another direction. And then asking yeah. you, and, and then asking you once again to come further. Mm-hmm. So I kind of, I kind of like that, but I don't know. Yasna, like, like what, like, what do you think? Was, was Yasna right in killing the thieves preemptive? Like, I think that, I think that, um, she probably was. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think the thing that uh, that doesn't sit well with me is that she used it as a lesson for Shalon and Mm -hmm. traumatized Shalon with it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yes. I think that if That's she what goes I don't off like, about like it as well. Giazna Batman style vigilante in the night and mm-hmm. goes and kills those guys because they've been, you know, killing and raping and they're just bad dudes. If she goes and takes care of them, like, you know, like a superhero or a vigilante would, then, then not a big deal. No one knows, but she uses this to try to show in some kind of weird way to Shalon the questions of right and wrong and it um it really messes shalon up she's uh she's messed up i completely, the part I completely agree like i I, th- I think we might have touched on it last time that like i think know, we talked about it for 20 minutes last time did we all okay yeah, yeah, well it's yeah. fascinating because because yasna yasna doesn't know what she's going to encounter no like how can she know so anyways she she, she played roulette with shalon's life and i think that was morally uh, reprehensible. Right. Um, this is so, actually a really know. good topic that maybe I'll bring up when we do our um, our discussion, our, our roundtable discussion at the end when we're going to have special guests come on. We're going mm-hmm. to talk with some people in the community to come on and talk about the first book at the end of it. Sure. And this might yeah. be one of the ones things that we might have to talk about. Get find out what everyone thinks about what Yasna did and mm-hmm. whether that she was right or not. It might be a good I mean, conversation. The 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 comic book vigilante and me. Uh, you know, following all kinds of anti-heroes from, you know, uh, Ghost Rider Punisher to, and- yeah, Punisher, but I, like, you know, I, I love the idea of preemptively removing bad people or broken people, like unfixable people from the planet. Um, mm-hmm. however, you know, in thinking along those lines, I, I think about, um, rehabilitation, um, the belief in hope for human beings that they can that they can change so second chances so then it becomes a case of well rather than remove these people out of existence you know you you must you must um apprehend you must rehabilitate you must also forgive 
So these are, anyways, I mean, Yasna is a fascinating uh, character. And of course, this challenges Shallan, which is all part of it. Like challenging Shallan, right. I think, is, is the whole purpose. Um, so, it's, so Shallan had, uh, sorry, go ahead if you want to add to no, that. No, I was just going to say that um, it, um, it really messes Shallan up because she, she does, like totally. you said earlier, she makes a, a snap judgment and steals the soul caster. And now it's bothering her, especially after she's reading all these philosophical debates about right and wrong. She's like, totally shit. I, t- I took it and I only did it because I was mad at her. That's what you were saying earlier. Like just, she comes to this now. She's like, I, you know, I yeah, did she, this when I was mad. She was angry. She was angry. She was like, so she went for it. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah and she's um, like, you know, I'm, I'm ju- judging Yasna on what she did. And I'm the one who betrayed someone who trusted me and like, you know, took me in, made her like my ward. And she like, you know, she's been awesome to me. And now I do this to her. Like I'm the one who's the shit, you know? Well, now she's committing, she's committing heresy by stealing a soul caster. That's only supposed to be used by an ardent. Right. So, and she's, she's more faithful or at least more. We talked about this before though, because the, it's the ardents that say that they're only supposed to be used by ardents. So of course they're going to say that. Right, right, yeah. You know what I mean? Um, um, so, so the soul caster is hidden in a, a secret compartment in Shallan's trunk. Right. Um, now she mentions here that she had a concealed weapon that she didn't use yeah. that night. Yeah, so um, before we get to that, she, um, we so find out that it's been three days since the soul caster was switched, right? And mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Shalon wonders why Yasna hasn't said anything. And she's like, maybe right. she hasn't soul cast yet. I know. Um, maybe she, you know. <laughs> I she's still like, think, I got to believe in Yasna. Sorry, again, first yeah. time reader here, but I got to say to anyone who's listening, uh, just Yasna's not going to let this, uh, this, this punk into Carbrand, this ward. <laughs> I mean, come on. We got to believe, for all the first time readers out there, you know, you, you got to believe in Yasna here. Yasna. Is this, I mean, this, the, the wool, Shalon is not, ex, I mean, how could Shalon do it? I mean, if, if Shalon has done it, I will be yeah. very surprised in the storytelling. Um, very surprised. Yeah. My, my expectations will have been subverted. Okay. So let me, um, <laughs> okay, Mr. Johnson, uh, chill out your last Jedi shit there. Um, <laughs> uh, um, let me ask you, I'm going to, we're going to go off so the well. here again and yeah. Um, do you want Shalon to succeed? Like, how do you feel about this? I, okay. Here, so th- that's a, you know what? That's a very, very good question. And I, and yeah. I will, and I will try to answer this with as much respect as I possibly can to these wonderful, fictitious characters. Um, <laughs> okay. They're listening. So be careful. Listening. What you say. I know they are. I know they are. Um, I would have to, at this point, um, like I, I'm, I'm invested in Shalon because she is interesting. She has, um, a tenacity and I love her, her artistic sort of bent, her leanings toward the arts. I'm very, very attracted to, she has, you know, it appears she has a very striking look to herself. Um, there's, there's many qualities about Shalon. I just, I love and adore. Mm-hmm. The fact that she has a secret being a thief that I found just made her more interesting for sure. But, but again, what I find the least compelling thing about her is the fact that she's trying to steal something that'll help make her family stable and her three brothers. Like, right, right. like I find that is the least interesting part of the character. 
So it's kind of hard for me to be like, you know, go Shalon, go. Like, I, I really hope you get back home to your, to, your, right. to, to non Because you don't want her to. You want her to continue her studies well, with Yasna. Kind of. In fact, yeah. I want her to, I want her to fall do. in love with Yasna. Like, I want her oh. to like, you know, like, I want her to be like, like in a, I don't know. Like, I mean, in a, in, 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 I don't, I mean, certainly in intellectually. Way? I mean, I just. I like that Yasna is a source of inspiration. I like that Yasna is a heretic. I like that Yasna demands much from those around her, that she doesn't tolerate mm. just anybody. So Shalon being close to Yasna means that Shalon is, is special, and I think that increases the potency of the character. So if Shalon goes home, oh, well, thanks, guys. I, I got the Fabriel, and, uh, and off we go. And That's geez, it. Woo. I That's dodged a story. bullet there, brothers. I'm coming home, yeah. uh, and then after I deliver it, I go back to my after. ordinary life. Yeah, like I, I, I don't know where uh, Brandon, Mr. Sanderson is going to take this. All I'm saying out there again, first to all the for all the first time readers, uh, don't uh, <laughs> don't throw uh, Yasna out of this at all. There's, I think Yasna yeah. is ten steps ahead. I'm, I was very surprised that she switched these these fabrials i uh and i had this concoct concocted theory that that was already gonna have been done mm-hmm. um so yeah let's get to this so, uh, uh let's get to this kind of confusing moment here that uh, you're talking about i'm gonna read it out loud for you okay confusing moment okay okay so i'm on i'm on says, to the trunk and i'm going in with the lavish room here she's she, yeah, yeah, she's she, drawing okay Okay, she wore the fake. So Yasna wore the fake each day. She said nothing, acted no differently. Maybe she hadn't tried soul casting. Almighty send that she didn't go out and put herself into danger again, expecting to be able to use the Fabriel to kill men who attacked her. Of course, there was one other aspect of that night that Shalon had to think of. She carried a concealed weapon that she hadn't used. She felt foolish for not even thinking of getting it out that night, but mm-hmm. she wasn't accustomed to. And then she cut herself off. She cut her own thoughts off. Because she froze, realizing for the first time what she had been drawing. What she was drawing, yeah. Yeah. Not another scene from the alleyway, but a lavish room with thick ornamented rugs and swords on the wall. Yeah, swords. A long long dining table set with half-eaten meal. A half-eaten meal. A dead man in fine clothing lying face first on the floor, blood pooling around him. She jumped back, tossing aside the charcoal and crumpled up the paper. Shaking, she moved over and sat down on the bed amongst the pictures. Dropping the crumpled drawing, she raised her fingers to her forehead, feeling the cold sweat there. Something was wrong with her and her with her drawings. Okay, so Sean, I've got to ask you something very important. Okay. Who is the dead man on the floor in the fine clothing in the pool of blood? Um, I think it's Dunny. Okay. So I don't know uh, what this, this was fascinating to me. It seemed like she was drawing from a a bad memory uh, or um, something that she has done. We've already heard in the previous uh, chapters that she has, it's not the first time that she's, you know, betrayed the trust of someone Mm -hmm. in a very, you know, deep and intrinsic sort of way here. So, you know, is she responsible for this man's death? I don't know. This is a dark, a dark part perhaps of Shalon's past. Yeah. Um, she, yeah. Crumples up the drawing. She literally does the thing where you, where you're like, she literally wears Dunny to herself. Right. She, she's like, she felt foolish for not even thinking of getting it out that night, but she wasn't accustomed to, Oh my God, where's Dunny? 
Yeah. Look at my drawing. <laughs> so she almost she almost dunnied uh, it out right there. Yeah, well, I wish she had <laughs> yeah. because I don't yeah. understand what's going on, so it's a little frustrating for me. Um, oh, you will. But I... What is it now? Oh, yeah. So um, she makes her way... So Okay, so she crumbles up the drawing. She's shaking, sits down on the bed. Then she makes her way into the main room of Yasna's quarters. Yasna's away mm -hmm. uh, researching as always. Shalon hurries through the room, opens the door, and nearly runs into a master servant who is reaching to knock. And she says, uh, mm -hmm. Brightness, apologies, but one of your span reads is flashing. She takes a span read, closes the door. There's a desk mm -hmm. with a span read board, so she, she sits and she twists the ruby. It was her brother, Nonbalat. Yeah, Nonbalat. Yeah, he, he took uh, he took a break of uh, pulling the legs off of Kremlings to you know call her sister, <laughs> call his sister. I'll He's get missed, to you, Kremlings, later. He missed a bunch of communications from uh, Shalon because he was with Sir Kamar mm -hmm. at a feast in uh, their father's name. Shalon tells him the news: "I have the item." Right, and he basically says, "Have you left?" And she says, no. And then he asks, well, why? Right. Why, have, why, why haven't really, you? And then she goes really into well this. This is really well thought out. Exactly. No, you go ahead. This is fascinating. This is Shalon at her, at her best here. Yeah, this is really well thought out from Shalon here. This is, um, you know, you said earlier that, um, that Yasna's too smart for Shalon to get away with it. Yeah. This is a little bit of a proof that maybe Shalon could get away with it because right. she's thinking ahead. She's doing a little chess move there. She's doing the queen's gambit and she's so what we're talking looking three moves ahead. Right. So what we're talking about here is Shalon basically saying, well, I'm staying because right. it will look, it will look far too suspicious if I leave. And mm -hmm. if I stay and she suspects me, then at least I can somewhat contain the damage to myself. Yeah. She's like, um, I can throw it off to someone else and be like, maybe it was this guy. Like, right. I can be around to actually like shift the Help blame divert. a Right, to help divert, mm -hmm. and then ultimately, if she does know that it was just her, then at least she can, you know, um, uh, um, you know, uh, save the family some form of retribution. Like, for instance, she's even, as she's going through this in her head, she's like, oh my gosh, you know, like this, this, this is so, so bad that, that Yasna probably has contacts in Yakived. So even if I, even if I showed up in Yakived, uh, she's, you know, thinking out loud in her brain. You know, she yeah. probably would be in custody the moment she landed back right. home. So, you know, Yasna will hunt her down to the ends of the earth. So really, <laughs> yeah. the only play... And you know she would. And she knows she would. So, so, so the only play that, that, that uh, Shalon has is to know uh, 100% that they got away with it. Right. And that the blame is deflected somehow. Um and then yeah, and her, her, like, her brother's like, wow, like you've, you've thought this yes. really. When did you get like, so good at logic? Exactly. Well, yeah. studying under Yasna, right? Like Yasna's. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Shalon so, asks for three weeks. She's like, give me three weeks. I will try yeah. to see as much as I can see. And um, like, I'll, I'll hopefully I'll know in three weeks whether or not I can take off. Because if she hasn't figured it out in three weeks, then she's not going to figure it out. And um. But Lot's like, yeah, but we don't have much time. The no. men who gave father the Soulcaster, yeah, came, they came visiting again. And, came visiting. Uh, and asking about Shalon. Yeah, they're asking time. about her. So that's interesting. They're asking mm -hmm. about her. And then he says that they worry him more than he worries about the finances of the family. 
Right. And specifically in the text, they disturb me in a profound way. Yeah. It also mentions here that, that, that going through all of what Shalon is saying here to her brother and the way she's thinking about how to proceed with Yasna, uh, cold, calm logic. Yasna would be proud. Mm-hmm. Right. I like that. Yeah, it's so weird, right? She it's like, so weird. It, like you're yeah. learning. I mean, I mean, again, what, what I love about this is that Yasna is teaching Shalon how to think, not what to think. Right. Yeah. Like she doesn't just want somebody to repeat thoughts. I want Mm -hmm. your thoughts. I want the interpretation. I want, you know, I want the, I want the best from you. It's, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful relationship. I, I really think it'd be a tragedy to have it end. Um, I don't know where it's going and I don't, certainly don't know. I don't know what this guy in the floor is all about or about the favorite switch. Who knows where it's going, man. I we can't don't know. wait. We yeah, let's no let's keep we, going so we can get going. You and I, I have get, no idea. Turn it up. Um, um, so I like how uh, Shalon's like waiting for Yasna to say something about the Soulcaster is literally the hardest part about this whole thing. Oh, day she, by day, like she's like, she's why like, haven't you said anything? Like, I know it's she's like quoting Tom. <laughs> she's quoting Tom Petty here. She's like, waiting is the hardest part. Yeah, Fox waiting is the hardest like, part. Come yeah. on, <laughs> like seriously. Um, a knock comes at the door. Uh, Shalon. Uh, Burns the conversation with Nambalat yeah. in the in the hearth. A palace maid enters, and Shalon uh, takes the stolen Fabril from the hidden compartment of the of the chest of the mm-hmm. and places it in her safe pouch. So she feels yeah, better. She like realizes there. that this maid isn't one of her regular maids, and it starts making her paranoid. Right. Maybe Yasna yep. sent this maid to come and check her room and stuff. It's she, right. She's just on edge, right? She's on so edge. paranoid. Yep. So Shalon gathers up her pictures, puts them face down on the on the desk, takes her portfolio and leaves. But the young maid says, "Brightness, this was dropped off for you with the master servants, and it's a, a, a basket. I think it was what it was." Yeah. And and she's very like nervous about opening it. She hesitantly accepted it, and pe- and peeks inside, looks inside. Bread and jam. It's uh, bread and jam. This is blue blue bar jam, and on yeah. a, there's a note attached that says, "If you like it." It means that you're mysterious, reserved, and thoughtful. And this, of course, is a note from the ardent capsule. Mm-hmm. Um, Shalon, I like, I like what she says here. She's afraid of where the relationship with Cosbel is going. Right. And so she makes her way to the conclave exit. Well, she doesn't want to, she says she doesn't want to string him along or herself along either. Right. She's right. going to have to leave soon. And she's, she's developing feelings and she doesn't want yeah. to do, put him through that either. Right. So she might be a thief, but she's still considerate and, you know, worries <laughs> about people's feelings. I think I'm a blue bar. I'm a, you're thinking you are a blue bar. I if you think like, I'm it, a blue it bar. Mysterious, I mean, well, reserved and thoughtful. Well, well, because I, 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 well, I mean, I might be, uh, I might be, uh, Reserved. Blue balls, but blue ball bear bar maybe too or <laughs> blue ball blue. Bl- well, I mean, I I I, I sort blue of I, jam? I'm drawn toward this 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 blue bar because my favorite jams are typically it's blueberry or it's black currant. So right. I kind of connected with this. I'm like, well, I guess I guess I'm a little bit mysterious. Am, am I reserved? Yeah. yeah, you're a little bit occasionally. Mysterious, yeah. You're mm-hmm. a, like, you used to be a lead singer in a rock and roll band, like a good rock and roll band. So yeah, you're a little mysterious. Yeah. <laughs> a little mysterious, yeah. A little mysterious. Um, a, little, a little bit mysterious. A little mysterious. I have a little uh, quote here I want to read before we end yeah, the scene, because there's a scene change coming up. Yeah, it's coming end. up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I have here, in the end, the most disturbing part was that J- Yasna was, had been right. 
Shalon's world of simple answers had been a foolish, childish place. She clung to the hope that she could find truth and use it to explain, perhaps justify what she had done back in Yaakoved. If there was such a thing as truth, it was far more complicated and murky than she had assumed. Some problems didn't seem to have any good answers, just a lot of wrong ones. She could choose the source of her guilt, but she couldn't choose to be rid of that guilt entirely. So another little, um, another little mention of something that happened mm-hmm. back in Yaakoved. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And justify what she had done. Yeah, well, I mean, all this is weighing so heavily on her as she goes through this philosophical debate. I mean, it could be that, mm-hmm. that it could be that Yasna knows about what um, Shalon did. Right. And, and might even be thinking, you know what, child, I... I you need this philosophy more than more than I do, so I'm, I'm going to get I'm going to get you thinking about it. Whatever it is, um, that's all I did. Maybe Yasna knows. You, you're you see, you are completely working under the impression that Yasna already well, knows everything, right? And you, like, I, I so, am, I am. Makes sense. I, 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 it, I think it makes sense based I mean, she's on really intelligent, very intelligent. I mean, it, it would almost be. A little bit of a disservice to the character if she didn't know. The only the only way it would sort of I think maybe maybe in some ways be better is that the student uh, becomes the master. So oh. Shalon Shalon really did, you know, pull the wool over Yasin's eyes and pull mm-hmm. this off. We, may, and and maybe that's the case. I I, I don't know. I, I I like to think it's there's going to be more to unfold. To play devil's advocate a little bit here, I just want to point out that we, since Shalon has met Yasna and been here, um, Shalon has um, described her as frazzled and tired looking and overworked. And she, you know, um, this is like chapters and chapters of, uh, of these little descriptions and, and Yasna, even though she's smart and put together and like this amazing character, she looks like she's stretching herself thin in research and like she's you know tired a lot and um you know yeah, but now he, she has a ward so she's relaxing right a little bit more but she she mm. is yasna has a lot on her mind right now so if she mm. did get played um it, it doesn't take away from her intelligence at all or her capability at all it's just that she's she's got bigger fish to fry than some little chick from yakaved right like so that's just the other side of it Mm, I like yeah. both sides though. I yeah. think it's I think it's really cool to think about. Well, okay, so she says just before the the point of view changes on this chapter, she she could choose the source of her guilt. Right. But she couldn't choose to be rid of that guilt entirely. Mhm. So, point of view changes. Uh 2 hours and 20 quick sketches later, Shalon feels more relaxed. She's in the palace gardens. Mm-hmm. And she's drawing snails. Like I, I know that's how I calm down. I, I tend to. Do you? Yeah, like I'll start drawing snails. You know, uh, it's a perfectly well, reasonable weird, thing to calm you down. It's just very weird. A little, le- little less gar go. I like here that um, she's hanging out in the garden and uh, she's sketching shale bark and shale snails and cremlings. And this is the picture that we got 
in the last chapter yes. that yep. we kind of assumed had to do with um, Rashon's gardens because Rashon gardens have shale mm-hmm. bark. So that picture appears in that ch- chapter, but it's actually not about that. It's about this moment here when she's hanging out alone and she's the one who drew that picture yet again, mm-hmm. right? She's our little artist in this book. So anytime there's any sketches like this, it's all Shalon. So I, um, this I, is I, a I neat like that step. Sorry, I like that she's taking these super extensive uh, notes on shale snails and like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like she's really breaking these shale snails down. And, um, I like how she, uh, this kind of gets back to what you were, we were talking about before about how she's like, I, you know, um, some people are good at drawing and some people are good at history, but there's not really many people that are good at both. And I could be, I could fill this, you know, void in the scholarly community. And this is kind of what she's doing. She wants to catalog the world mm, and mm-hmm. it goes, it starts even with tiny shale snails and understanding exactly what they do in nature and how they help the, you know, the ecosystem and all that stuff. So I like, I like this in so mm. much that it's kind of a boring part of the chapter, but it's also very informative of what Shalon loves. This is, this is peak Shalon right now. Shale snails. <laughs> Shalon in her, in her element. Yeah. She, yeah. Well, she puts a lot of detail, uh, well, uh, in terms of describing all, all of this to us. So she's in these gardens that she describes as not quite as extensive as her father's, but they're more varied. And she did like the seclusion because she wanted to be alone. So yeah. the, the walls of cultivated shale bark gives her privacy. She asked a groundskeeper, what's the most prominent shale bark? To which the reply was plated stone. Um, so they're thin round sections piled on top of another. Um, and the snail that she's, uh, sort of curiously focusing in on here, drawing when, when feeling a tap, it would flatten itself into the rift right. of the shale bark appearing to become, uh, part of the plated stone itself. So it blended in perfectly. I couldn't help but, f- but feel that, you know, uh, what character they might be alluding to that's going to feel the tap and then blend in perfectly and disappear. Um, right. I don't know if there's a little foreshadowing there uh, or not. Could but very I well be. Could be. Um, so the snail and the shale bark, this was, I, I like this. It, it seemed that the snail and the shale bark were designed by the Almighty in pairs. Mm-hmm. The plant giving safety and the animal cleaning the plant. So... What I drew from that is, okay, designed in pairs. Can we talk about Shalon and Yasna in this way? Mm-hmm. Can, we, can we say that one of them is giving the other safety while the other one is uh, doing the work um, and doing like the, the, the cleaning or the learning, so to speak? Yeah. Well, she, um, Shalon even says like snails and plants help each other and I betrayed Yasna. Like even a lowly snail can get along with, you know, and I, I fucking mm-hmm. betrayed Yasna, so I'm I'm worse than a snail. <laughs> I I I like I like I like that thing of designed uh, uh, designed in pairs. Mm-hmm. Um, we know in the uh, the next chapter when we find out a little bit more about Parshendi warfare that they fight in pairs. Right. So I kind of think that's a good, I think I found an alternative title for this. I mean, I, I do like burned into her. I mean, that's, that's mm-hmm. the great, but I think designed in pairs would have been an alternate title for this chapter. Um, cool. um, lifespan are there lifespan spread heads. 
Uh, green green specks are floating around the shalebark mounds. Uh, so she, so she looks around, sees that she's alone. I think I'm alone now. Um, takes I out the Fabril. I'm alone now. <laughs> takes out the Fabril. There's nobody around, around in this Carbranthian uh, garden. Um, <laughs> I think that's just the way um, Tiffany would have wanted it. She, um, that's yeah, exactly how Tiffany wants it. Shalebark. Yeah, there's no one around. Takes a shalebark out, and and I like this. So she's. <laughs> She's got the Fabriel going, focusing on the shell bar. Okay, become smoke, become crystal, mm-hmm. fire, burn, you're fire. Like she's trying she's like, all these oh, things. Oh, wait a minute. Maybe fire is not a good idea if I burn my hands. Yeah, it might not be a good <laughs> idea. I'm going burn my hands. Let's that could go back be a clue smoke. that I might have stolen the Fabriel if I have a melted hand. I've already right. Krugered myself. Yeah, she was hoping to just kind of stumble upon how to do it as opposed to having to work hard and learn or whatever. But then she starts thinking critically again, right? So, so mm-hmm. she's not having luck uh, using it. She says, how can I figure out how to use a thousand-year-old tool that only ardents were supposed to use? Right. So should I go back to the planium or to capsule? And then she begins eating the jam and bread. Yeah. Um, and then she says, I think she says briefly that she, might, that she could take the item to the Veden King. Right. Or maybe the ardents back home. Mm-hmm. And then I might be able that- to protect her in exchange for the gift, but... She's like, after all, she couldn't really be blamed for stealing from a heretic. Then she's like, for some reason, that makes me feel even worse. Stealing mm-hmm. the soul caster and then giving it to the people who hate her, uh, Yasna for having it just seems despicable. You know, it's like this, mm-hmm. it's, she says it's, it seemed a greater betrayal than actually just stealing it. Yeah, she feels that she's betraying Yasna. It's, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. This last little line here, she says, well, then it's a good thing Yasna is so determined to train me in how to deal with those, the difficult decisions that is, by the time all this is done, I should be quite the expert. And this is what you were saying yeah, earlier yeah, that yeah. Yasna is training her to, yeah. to think critically and to make these decisions, yeah. right? Yeah. She's becoming the master. Oh yeah. And like, maybe, maybe that's the way. If Yasna hadn't taught her so well, maybe she wouldn't be as good at doing all this stuff and being able to get away with it. You in, you invited somebody into your into your under your wing and then taught it yeah. how to fly. Um, what's your uh, highlight for the chapter? Oh gosh, highlight. Uh, well, I like me some spren. You do. Um, I think. Uh, yeah, it's probably gonna. Well, I mean, of course, I was really happy when when the when the jam uh, came. Um, because I thought it was like a, like a lead up, like a, she's scrambling to to get out of the room and then this mysterious package arrives and she's, she's on a heightened sense of, oh my gosh, like, am I caught? Am am I found out? Is this like a note or something from Yasna where it's telling me like, you know, I know exactly what you've done, you horrible, you know, and then it's, it's a, it's bread and jam. It's blue jam. Um, so I, I liked, I, I, I really did like that. Um, the philosophies I do like. But it's such a big thing. It's such a heavy, yeah, it's, it's heavy, uh, a heavy part of it. I think I'm gonna stick with the jam, the the bit of levity in the chapter. So I guess the the I like the jam. Um, I like that Yasna would be proud with this cold, calm logic too. Yeah, I kind I really like that too. That yeah, me too. That Yasna Yasna is out thinking. She's covering the angles. Yeah. Like you like like you're really seeing her sort of design a way to get away with this that's believable mm-hmm. and just might work. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. 
what about yourself? My highlight for the chapter is um, these little tiny little seeds and nuggets that we're getting from Shalon's backstory. We're not getting really full explanations, but there's like these little nice little like concealed mm-hmm. weapon and the mm-hmm. drawing and the, um, mm-hmm. you know, what she did back in Vade, uh, Yaakoved. There's a little bit of that. Um, yeah. The, you're right. The philosophy is kind of heavy and boorish, but I, I think I would rather philosophy than a grumpy and depressed Kaladin. In this next chapter, man, this guy <laughs> is, he's alive, but he's not back. <laughs> he is feeling sad. Yeah, well, this is what I mean, like chapter 40, so that uh, eyes of red and blue, this, again, we're back to heavy. We yeah, are dude. back to heavy. Kaladin, uh, the, man. The, the, Kaladin the opening, is a very heavy character. He's got lots o- of feels. Dude, like, I mean, I thought we were, I thought we were getting beyond, like, or like, I, and, and I should know better. I should know better. I should know. He's I the, should know better. He's the Sean Mendez of. He's the Sean Mendez of fantasy epics. Just, it keeps happening over and over. Like you know, the bridge, the weight of the bridge is never ending. It will always be. That's the point of this, though. That's there. <laughs> that's what he says, right? He says, "I survived, and it means nothing." I know. Well, hang, hang on. These men are still gonna die. That's what he's I, depressed about. Opening quote of this chapter, death upon the lips, sound upon the air, char upon the skin, from the last desolation by Ambrian. Yeah. Um, again, I, I've got lots of questions about that. I don't know if you can illuminate anything or not. Um, well, we know the, uh, what desolations are. Desolations yep. are historically uh, the moments in time when... Um, the, um, like the void bringers came and the Knights Radiance and the Heralds had to fight them and stuff. Um, this is quoting a book called a book or a poem or a writing called the last desolation. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it sounds creepy. <laughs> it sounds kind of gross to char upon yeah. the skin. Like, you yeah. know, there's burnings happening. So I don't know. It doesn't really illuminate anything right now. No. Kaladin stumbles into the sunlight. Uh, his arms feel as if he'd carried a bridge for three days straight. He rounds the back of the barracks. He's got residual soreness, smaller cuts have vanished. His head is clear, no headache. So he's clearly very surprised at yeah. his uh, state. Uh, Lopin follows him. He's the Herdesian that's been watching over him at, when he awoke. He finds the men carrying the bridge in daily practice. The men, the men, uh, drop the bridge cause Moash stops abruptly. He's and, like, what the fuck? And, yeah. and, and, and they come over, uh, they come over and I love this. They come over to him to see, to see him keeping yeah. their distance as if he was fragile or holy. Right. They weren't love, sure which one. Yeah. I love that. And, and then I, um, he, and then to which Kaladin responds, you really need to practice what to do if one of you trips or stumbles, man. Right. When Moash stopped yeah. abruptly, you all but fell over. This could be a disaster on the field. And when the men, yeah. men smile and then start laughing and then thumping him on the back. And this, I, I really love this because it reminds me of, again, I'm more cinematic, sadly, as, uh, as opposed to literature. Um, but this reminds me once again of the Bridge of the River Kwai when Colonel Nicholson emerges from uh, the hot box that the Japanese... Um, commander puts him in as punishment for not sending his officers um, to uh, work on the bridge mm. in um, in uh, prisoner of war uh, capacity. 
Um, and it's a, it's like, it's like a victory, right? So you've got your, right. your leader and he's getting all the high fives and the pats on the back, uh, jolly good, you know, this kind of thing. Um, so I really, really like this moment. Um, but yeah, Tef, Tef didn't, doesn't join in. His arms are folded. Kaladin spots yeah, him and says, are you, are, you, are you all right? And he says, men. yeah, he's like, I, I, I just figure those men don't bathe often enough for me to want yeah. to get close enough to, for a hug. No offense. A couple of points and, here uh, before we get too far in. Um, yeah, go ahead. Kaladin, uh, stumbles into the light. Um, that's the mm-hmm. first line of this chapter. And I feel like it's exemplary of kind of what Kaladin's been doing this whole time here at the Shattered Plains. He's been kind of stumbling into the light, like he, into the stormlight, into the, I just, I feel like it's, it's kind of a good imagery here. Um, I think you're right. And also, uh, um, uh, it, it, it sort of, it seems to be the way that Kaladin has been uh, coming to all of these series of realizations. Right. Uh, almost going to what Shalon is going through with the truth being kind of murky and complicated. You know, mm. it, like it sort of seems like Kaladin was like, look, if I just show that, that my men are uh, competent and they can, you know, look after themselves and they can, they're worthy of right. being trained or shielded or whatever. Like, I mean, all of this, you know, uh, uh, I, I can, I can show Sadius that, that the bridgemen are, uh, you know, something that, that, that we can really make a difference here in this, in this, in these battles. But then he, he really does kind of come back to, again, it mentions it here in the chapter, comes back to the, the wretch that he left, the wretch. uh, on the yeah. chasm, um, yeah. the guy that was going to jump in and end, and I end it all. Guy. So I really don't he, like the wretch. he comes back to visit this, this guy, um, because he realizes, um, that Sadius bridgemen are not supposed to survive mm-hmm. because I've put all of the effort into training the others. And if you're the distraction, fewer arrows go and kill my soldiers. So bridgemen are not supposed to survive. Mm-hmm. And like this, this hammering this point home, I still think personally that, um, whoops, this goes back to an earlier podcast that, um, dealing with Amaram's army. And he's like, you know, conf- you know, he's like, he's confused by why he's here. He was put in prison. It's a disappointment. It's a betrayal. It's a, I mean, we don't really know the details or at least yeah. I don't. Yeah. I don't Not yet. Yeah. And so I, I still, I don't know either Kaladin found out something and he was sentenced to death by becoming a bridgeman mm-hmm. or someone saw in him something and knew that being a bridgeman wouldn't kill him and so was protecting him by putting him in an unknowable place for a while. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, those those are two sound theories. Um I can't tell mm. you which one is closest. Damn. I, th- but, um, I thought I could trick you this time. Oh. Yeah, tricky, tricky. Um, he seems to have healed up quite nicely. Um, he he uh, does. should be um, bla- like blazed with pain, but he's only got like red- re- residual soreness. And he knows all this stuff. Like he's a surgeon, so he knows how long shit takes, right? His cuts are scabbed over and his head was surprisingly clear. So he doesn't have a headache like he should. Um, he's not yeah, exhibiting no any of the, um, the normal, um, you know, injuries or, or stuff that he should be right. He's like, he says, I should be dead. What's going, what's going on? He, like, what's he says going it to himself. on? 
Yeah. Okay. I got to ask this question, okay? His last bath, going back to a Tef's like, you know, forget it. I don't want to get close, uh, you know. Mm -hmm. His last bath was the high storm. Right. Okay. Now, Syl's not around. She's not around right now. Where she is comes back she? Later. Where, but where does she go? Is my know. question. That's a very good question. It's not described at all. She doesn't say anything about being gone when she comes back. Because when they, they go on the plateau run, and then when they come back, um, he's there. No, but no, but do you, as, as a reader, further into the future, is there a reason for her absences? Um, is there? Like, is, do we find out where she was in this moment? No, I mean, at all, ever. Like, when, when she does these disappearing acts. It's happened more than once. Right. You're, you're very right. It does... Um, she does take off sometimes she's also very flighty and and she's okay the, so she's you don't so you don't okay so there may not be too much more to that okay that's that's interesting um i thought there might have been more to that but. so okay. he yeah uh, he's like he he asked them how uh they, they ask him how he felt and he he's like I, I feel fine and but then he's like he starts remembering the high storm and he remembers the face in the storm Mm -hmm. And he remembers Syl almost trying to hold back the storm by herself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is really what, awesome. She, like, like she was out there protecting it. I love that she's yeah, his, like flying like, around in front of him. Yeah. 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 I love that. And then he remembers the death sprint and realized how close he was. And he says he remembers strange, sudden shocks of strength, mm -hmm. icy cold, but refreshing, which is probably Teft with the stormlight could be because mm -hmm. he's remembering as this he was being his, like, healed fever yeah. and stuff yep mm -hmm. and then he asks how long has yeah. it been since the high storm and the men 10 days yeah but he feels that he's it would sh it should be at least four weeks because yeah because he's like he, he sees like, all the men and they're still here and it doesn't and make sense they would have on a bunch of bridge runs in the last three weeks right i think i think rock says this is something like you must have bones like granite and and i love <laughs> yeah. this too I love this too. Like Kaladin's looking around and he's like, where's, uh, it'll, uh, Idalier right. and Treff. Right. Well, we lost them. And Kaladin decides, I love this. So we lost them. Kaladin decides right then and there. Okay. I need to train a few others in healing. Right. Because he wasn't there to help them. He goes right into, like, he just goes, it okay. sounds like it was injuries that could have very well have been, you know, they could have survived them. Maybe. But because Cal wasn't there, they died. I like that he, his proclamation to the men when he when he told them I'm I'm going to open my eyes mm -hmm. uh, yeah. in the morning when you when you come and see me and uh, he says it, it was an arrogant proclamation looking back smelling of prophecy and if the ardents discovered that yeah and he has that thought and then the horn sound he says he says though um or he says he thinks to himself he might have been a little delirious that day when he told them the men that yeah like when he was being all arrogant and being like, arrogant yeah and then i'll open my eyes he was probably he was yeah. being, he's like i was maybe a little delirious yeah he um he's like he wonders how he's up and walking and he's like maybe i was a little less injured than i assumed like maybe i didn't take that mm. you know like maybe it wasn't that bad yeah it, it's so crazy to me that he doesn't know that he's absorbing yeah. stormlight he doesn't realize it yet right? he doesn't understand like, no he's like maybe i should have paid more attention to my mother's religious teachings than i guess because something else is happening and i don't understand 
But you're right. So the, the horn sounds. The horn sound goes off. And I love this. Rock, is, rock says, let's show Captain Kaladin that we haven't forgotten how to do this. Yeah. And, and he's, like, he's like, Captain Captain Kaladin. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's new. And it's because um, Rock was made squad leader. Right, Rock was made squad leader, and they called him captain, and which made which made Gaz angry. I love that. Yeah, and they so Gaz is angry. Even about more that. reason to do it. Yeah, even more reason. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so it's and then he this says is when here again. Cal he says realizing that um, the men are stuck in an impossible situation. Well, it says I, I wrote it down here again because in, in the text he says uh, Bridgman aren't supposed to survive. He right. suspected why that was. Right. But then he kind of tells us later, he lays it out later when he's talking to Sigzil. He like literally lays out why. I know, but, but he says, but he, he suspected why that was. And then it goes, says that he, that he's gritting his teeth. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. It makes, I, I, it makes him angry. I, I don't know. I still feel that there's something with the Amram thing. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, he um he approaches the bridge like he's gonna go on the bridge run, and Rock's like, "No, no, you're not coming." And, and then he t- Rock tells him, "What would you tell a man who had just woken up from a fever?" And he's like, "Yeah, you're right. right. Yeah, you're right. I shouldn't go." <laughs> and then Lopin's like, "Hey, Gancho, you can uh, <laughs> you, you can carry water with me and uh, and Muli over yeah. here." Yeah, yeah, Muli. Uh, yeah. So this is uh, Dabid. So yeah, he so joins. Dabid's still not speaking. Joins uh, Lopin and Dabid uh, getting getting the water. So that's that's cool. And Lopin says, um, we go on every bridge run now, Gancho. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're a team. Yeah, it's awesome. So then point of view changes, I believe, shortly after yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and I love this. Right at the beginning of this point of view change, it says in the text that the chasm stared up at him, but he did not meet its gaze. Yeah. I love that the chasm... That which he looked into, seeing his end, seeing the despair, the hopelessness, what's the point? Kaladin need not exist. The storm blessed means nothing. The ca- this chasm is a character looking back yeah. at him. It's staring up at uh, him, going, you staring could, you at could him. Come, come on. I, yeah. I geeked out on that big time. So, Brandon, yeah. Mr. Sanderson, that is amazing. Little thing yeah, I love. That's loved. great. Um, they arrived at the same time as the Parshendi. The Parshendi took defensive positions uh so of course we're referring to the battle that they're carrying the bridges to mm-hmm. um Bershendi took defensive positions in the center of the plateau around the chrysalis sadius's men were fighting so for the moment and it was a it it's said a, here it's a close battle so it's like really heated oh totally and and, and they're anticipating um that that in these kind of violent skirmishes this is like you know, it, it's just a bloodbath. Mm-hmm. So, you know, once both sides have met each other, you're just waiting to see the tide tip, yeah. you know, slightly in, in one direction. And there's going to be great loss, uh, horrible amount of bloodshed. And the men will ultimately come back from this feeling, whether they won or not, they're going to feel right. terrible. So these are the bad days of, of, uh, of these battles. Um, it said, I like, I like this says that it says for the moment, the soldier, uh, uh, over, uh, overcame the surgeon. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was transfixed by the battle, 
but yeah. it reminded him of being a spearman. Um, his commander, Kaladin's commander, when when he was a soldier, his his commander was shocked at how easily Kaladin dealt with seeing blood. Yeah, and Kaladin's father would have been shocked at how easily Kaladin spilled it. I thought that was really cool. Um, um, he, he says that he's sweating a lot from the run, but he should be way more tired from his fever and his sickness. Like he's not as exhausted as he expected to be. And that baffles him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He still doesn't understand. Like, no. even though Tef knows and we know he's <laughs> Kaladin's like, what's going on? <laughs> I, li- I like that. Rock is like, well, I mean, so while they're watching the battle, so Rock comes over and a few others. Yeah. And they're watching the battle unfold and Rock, or sorry, rather, Kaladin's asking like, why, why, why are the Parshendi fighting? Like, well, at first why? he says, why do they fight? And Rock's like, well, to make money in vengeance for Gavilar's death. I know why we're fighting. Yeah. But, but he says, but, but why are they fighting? Yeah. Right. And I like this. He says, so Rock says, uh, the Parshendi fight because they don't uh, very much like the idea of being beheaded uh, for killing your king. Very unaccommodating of them, like like making a joke. Right. Um, and I love what, uh, and this was this was I had two alternate titles here because um, uh, upon hearing this little joke and jest uh, from Rock about the Parshendi, Kaladin mm-hmm. responds that he found um, in this kind of state uh, that the mirth. Um, uh, f- coming from uh, Rock's statement was unnatural. So I kind of, that was my alternate title for this chapter was Mirth, Mirth Unnatural. Um, speaking in jest about the Parshendi. Um, As they die and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Why, uh, why do they fight for gem hearts when their numbers dwindle from these skirmishes? And the reports are that they're, that they're raiding less frequently. Hmm. yeah and rock's like you know this and he's like yeah well there's reports that everyone talks about it in camp you know they're yeah. they're less raids people talk um they say they don't strike as close to the uh, the uh, lethe side anymore it's right. been happening for a while yep. Mm-hmm. yep i like i like that we get a little more sigzil here we, there's a new character like the azish 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 man azish azish i've always said azish azish yeah. Um, he says, no, we're not going to be going home soon. Yeah. Uh, this, this Azish kingdom was so distant that Kaladin had only met one other person from, from, uh, uh, from, is, is, is the place where he's from called Azish or that's? Yeah. Azir. Azir. From he's Azir. Azish. He's Azish they, from Azir. So, so Sigzil says Sigzil. that the par- that the that the Parshendi they must have soul casters. They're fighting because right. they need they need food as we do. It's the most right. logical explanation. And the big gem hearts are the ones that you need for um for soul casting. Mm-hmm. And then Cal's like, okay, but then why can't Bridgman have shields? That's all well yeah, and good. This is weird. I, I learned th- this was interesting that this little talk about bridges with set with uh, Rock and Sigzil. Mm-hmm. Um because it gets told to us that Sadius, when he's, when, when the horns are, are going, there are more bridges placed down than are required. 
Right. So like some, some bridgemen go place down a bridge and no one goes across it. Yeah. And this is where we get, like, we've kind of talked about it before about not losing trained troops. This is what Cal finally, yeah, yeah. you know, we, yeah. we kind of, you and I kind of pieced this together as we were doing this, been doing this podcast. We've yeah, been figuring I think, out I think why, we did earlier, didn't we? why Bridgman and why this way. And, but Cal finally all puts it together here. Yeah. And he's like, you know, you can't afford to lose your trained troops. You, you know, you know, uh, he only has a limited of trained men, but he can get disposable men very easy. Yeah. Oh, um, so each arrow that brutal. strikes down an abridgment is one that doesn't hit one of his soldiers, and you spend a great deal of money and time outfitting these guys. That's why it's better for Sadius to field a large number of bridges than uh, rather than a small but protected number. Yeah, life which becomes is so like, cheap in this yeah. this discussion. It's brutal. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Sadius wins the battle. Many are lost, and a tired, battered group of spearmen return back to camp. Mm-hmm. Um, I think point of view changes and a few hours later Kaladin is sitting by the bridge forest nightly fire Sill is now present on his knee as a blue and white flame no explanation for her absence see why would you write it in the text if her absences aren't important that's why I'm, yeah. sus- I'm that's why I asked you the question because I don't know or is that just a false leading? I mean, it, in terms of the text, that's what I'm saying. I think, I don't know. I think there's something more to Syl and her absences, but we'll see. Time will tell, folks. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Rock is making a stew. Uh, air smells of boiling, boiling dumplings. Rock uh, will only let uh, um, anyone eat it once he's finished because he doesn't want to make inferior food. Yeah, he's I very, like very he's particular a, well, he's about his. He's a cook, man. He's, he he he's wants it done right. Standards. This stew's got to be great. Um, spirits were high. The leader, um, their their leader has avoided execution by the storm father. Yeah. Uh, the bridge run has had no casualties today, but Kaladin is not having it. He's in the dumps, and he's saying this is futile. And yeah. again, we're we're inundated with these thoughts about Sadius and how. Right. Uh, yeah, he's like, Sadius hadn't acknowledged Cal's survival because being a bridgeman was a death sentence anyways. So it didn't matter if he survived the oh, high storm. He'll just die in Sean, one of the next bridge runs. Uh, Sean, this is so depressing. This next bit just, uh, this was brutal. Again, this was such a, like a... A gut punch. I, oh, it was a gut punch. I, I couldn't believe it. When, when, so Kaladin had hoped to show Sadius that they could be efficient, that the bridgemen could be useful, that they deserved right. protection and shields and armor and training, and that if they acted like soldiers, just maybe they would be treated or seen as soldiers. Yeah. But get this, this is what killed me. A bridgeman who survived was a bridgeman who had failed. Yeah. Ugh. Now that was, that was bridge four. Right there, yeah. I felt... Uh, right there I, in the chapter, I felt I'm back Ooh. under the shield from the first yeah. chapter, Bridge Four. Yeah. Like I just felt, whoa, the weight yeah, of that, that f- bridge. Yeah. Wow. It's hard to shed the weight of this bridge. Um. And then the the wretch starts to come back wretch. in full here. He's like, yeah. He's face to face with him, the man he left behind at the chasm. Mm-hmm. Cal starts thinking to himself, "I'm going to fail them." He he couldn't let. 
them continue to run bridges dying off one by one like this. And then yeah, all these dark is... swirling thoughts are, are surrounding Cal, right? And then the thing that he created is everyone else in this bridge crew is lively and, and happy. Yeah. You know, he's actually accomplished his goal. Yeah. He has, he's made these men have something to live for and like maps. One of the bridge men comes over and he gives rock a gift and he's like, you know, this is for, Whoa, hang on. You're skipping oh. my star spren. Oh, oh yes. Well, I had that in info dump cause that's where star spren go is an info dump, but go ahead. Yeah. Uh, talk about your star spren. Okay. 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 Uh, well, I mean, it's just, so he's having all these depressing, depressing thoughts. You know, mm-hmm. I am, I'm becoming this walking corpse, this man, this, the man that I left at the chasm, um, who had no hope filled with despair. And then suddenly, uh, star appear as tiny pinpricks of light in the sky. And, th- th- and then this is the time between the moons, which right. is kind this of is a, the, uh... a unique time. And, and these star are chasing after one another and they're very mm-hmm. rare. And you're right, maps, this, this man, flat-faced fellow, bushy beard, thick eyebrows. Um, he's called Maps because he's got a birthmark just, on his chest. Hold on, sorry. He, did you say thick eyebrows or yeah, dick thick, eyebrows? Dick. Well, it could be a dick eyebrow. Like he could just have these really big Thalen-style bushy eyebrows that are like the barber shaves them into dicks? I, I, I guess a dick could have eyebrows. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> maybe. Hey, Richard. Yeah? You got any eyebrows? <laughs> yeah? All right, there you go. A dick can have got eyebrows. Our, well, the, so so he so, so they call him Maps because he's got this this chest mark. I I, I like this guy. He seems really fun, yeah. and he's like, we've got he's our. Nice. He's like, and he shouts, you know, we've got our bridge leader back for good. The men, uh, yeah. the men have, have brought uh, bought you something, Rock, and tosses in this package and opens it up. It's a straight razor, um, gleaming silvery steel. To which Rock says, "You airsick fools! It's beautiful." And yeah. Rock grows teary eyed and heads into the barracks. Amazing. Yeah. He, he at um, first you think it almost feels like he runs away because he's embarrassed about the gift, but he's actually running in there to shave to use it. He wants to shave. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, Kaladin goes. Kaladin goes over to Sigzil, seeks some conversation. Goes back to Sigzil. He's waiting. Uh, uh, he's he's waiting for stew. He'll have some at the end. Um, yeah. What do you think Cal- of Sigzil? Well, he's interesting. He's. Mm-hmm. Um, a bit of he was one of the guys the that pushed against Cal at first. Moash, Scar, and Sigzel were and three Sigzel. of the guys that like really gave Cal a hard time at first. And so now, because he says, you know, at first I thought you were just you know feeding these guys false hope, but now I realize that's actually kind of good. Well, he is educated, so where mm-hmm. he comes from, men men can study, right? Um, and then he talks to uh, Kaladin. You know, have you ever heard of a place called Maribethia? Yeah, I love this ha, so much. Have, have, have you heard of it? And uh, Kaladin says, no. And he says, well, it's, it's a place beside the seed in the north, in the Soleil lands. Mm-hmm. And the people are known for their fondness for debate at each intersection. In the streets, there are small pedestals, and a man can stand and proclaim his arguments. And it was said that common people from Mar- that the Maribethians would keep an overripe fruit just in case they disagreed with someone who is spouting their their wares or their thoughts, so to speak. <laughs> I love that. They but carry the mer- around an overripe fruit to throw in, at someone. Isn't that hilarious? If they disagree with their speech, yeah. Um, You're an idiot. So, so, Mar- <laughs> so, so these Maribethians, they, I think what what Sigzil is trying to get across to Kaladin... Is how they treat their, their in, criminals. 
Right. So 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 they 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 dangle criminals over the seaside cliff with and with a cut in and sliced into their cheeks and mm-hmm. and they become bait for these great shells in the depths. And yeah. these creatures of the depths, uh, these great shells are known for their succulent flavor, but they also have gem hearts as well. Right. Not as if big they, as the great shells, but No. Like but not as big you know, as the chasm fiends. If they stay out, if these criminals stay out as bait for a week strung up, they're set free. Right. How many go free? None. None have ever gone free. But they choose the chance as opposed to execution. They choose to be bait. Right. And this is the kind of the same thing with the Bridgman. You know, after, after 10,000 bridge runs, guys, you can earn your, uh, enough to, to be free. Mm-hmm. No one is surviving. And then he says, um, Maribithians have a saying for someone who doesn't see the truth of the situation that you have, yeah. have eyes of red and blue and the red is for the blood that's leaking into the, your eyes because of the cheeks and the blue is the water that you're seeing. And so, you know, someone who doesn't see the truth of their situation is that you're dead. <laughs> you might be still alive, but you're dead. Right. And Sigzil says so, that Kaladin. You have red and blue eyes. Yeah. Yeah. He, that's such Kaladin, an awesome thing, dude. Oh. It's great. He says that uh, Kaladin's been a bit doing Matrix too, really red, good red and work. Blue, right? Sorry, say that again. It's a bit Matrix too, with the red and blue pill. Yeah. Red blue pill, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. There's definitely some uh, some red and blue imagery here. Um, Sigil <laughs> says that Kaladin's doing some really good work. He's giving these men false hope, but that you know that's this is kind of the kind of false hope that they probably need because, like, look, you know, and they're all rocks shaving and they're all grabbing stew and they're all in a good mood and mm-hmm. well what well yeah. what Sigzil says here is like what, what you're doing here Kaladin is is like giving medicine to a sick man you're right. easing their pain before they die now right. these men can spend their last days in laughter you are a healer indeed Kaladin Stormblessed yeah that's nice and eh? then and then rock emerges suddenly and says i feel like a true alakalaliki again yeah. <laughs> like he's really <laughs> yeah. boisterous ah, 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 i emerge but he's kept the fucking chops he's yeah, got dude. these he's got the chops into the mustache he's got the carrot chops on he's got this red i want to see he's literally this guy. got the facial hair that tracy forbids me of getting for years <laughs> i've talked about getting the chops into the mustache the and she's like no can't be done no it's like part of the divorce clause no yeah it's it's a no can't do it i i want to see it actually i want to see that i think i want um he says he says my friends you cannot know what you have done someday i will take you to the peaks and show you the hospitality of kings i love this this is just rock uh being great i will make you all family for this he says a peak dwellers Mm -hmm. who uh peak dwellers who maka aban is his pride Mm-hmm. Um, Kaladin has never been an optimist he tries to see the world as it is but he can't carry the hopes of all the bridgemen he just isn't strong enough right Ugh. again like I thought the bridge was heavy but now there's something even heavier the hopes of his men so, thank you, Brandon, Mr. Sanderson. <laughs> this is a heavy chapter. So, um, it was it was great. I mean, eyes of red and blue. I mean, eyes of red and blue. I mean, you you can't you can't beat that for the chapter name. Even though I had a mm-hmm. little other suggestion, was not as good. Um, yeah, it's a good chapter. It's great. It's great, man. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what else to say other than um, 
two great chapters and two great words highlight for info, me dump info and dump okay, yeah if you want to jump to it highlight for me would yeah. be the uh, the Maribethian oh, yeah, right. the Maribethian example I think uh the the whole red and blue thing I think was really really great um I like um I like the men's reaction to when Cal first comes out of the barracks just the love that yeah. they have for him I just yeah. I love that that's great camaraderie and brotherhood and all that stuff yeah and all that baloney all that bal- malark give me an info give me a give dump. me a dump give me an info uh, dump so safe pouches were where a woman kept items that were intimate and very special import of them or for them mm. searching someone's safe pouch would be like strip searching them it is unthinkable and uh, even more so in Shalon's case, because she is of uh, she's a light eyes. So someone actually looking through her safe pouch would be unthinkable. Mm-hmm. Star spren are tiny pinpricks of light chasing after one another, zipping around like distant glowing insects. They were very rare. And then we have a little something here about Sigzil, something that we didn't talk about yet. Um, Mm. He says, um, Sigzil smirked. I wondered if you were going to ask. The other men mentioned that you had pried into their origins. And then he says, Mm. I like to, uh, Cal says, I like to know the men I lead. And if some of us are murderers, Sigzil asked quietly, then I'm in good company. If it was a light eyes you killed, then I might buy you a drink. Buy you a drink, yeah. And then Sigzil says, mm-hmm. not a light eyes, and he's not dead. Then you're not a murderer, Cal said. Well, not for trying, Sigzil's eyes grew distant. I thought for certain I had succeeded. It was not the wisest choice I made. My master, dot, 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 he trailed off. Is he the one you killed? No. Kaladin waited. But for more information was, for, uh, but no more information was forthcoming. A scholar... At least a man of learning. There has to be a we be a way to use this. So Cal's thinking, we're in a shit situation. We have another learned man. There must be a way to use this. Right. You have to find a way out of this death trap, Kaladin. So I like this whole back and forth between the two of them. Um, mm-hmm. A little mystery laid here for Sigzil, this new character of ours. Mm-hmm. We know that there's been... Uh, some mystery laid with Teft, with the Envisagers, and now Sigzil tried to kill someone, didn't succeed in kill something with someone. He's got a master out there. I like all this stuff. It's all really great. It's not info dump. It's mainly stuff that we didn't really get to that I wanted to mention, but so yeah. Well, fantastic. So next, uh, ne- next two chapters, we are storming through. Yeah, we got uh, chapter 41 and 42. 41 is a flashback chapter of Cal's upbringing and then 40 oh, got some wonderful art here on the uh, paperback here for yeah, chapter for 41 mm-hmm. wow yeah that's the uh, axound uh um remember we've talked about axounds before yes they, they look cool eh yeah they're like sort of like a turtle grasshopper kind of combo <laughs> yeah it's awesome yeah. yeah so 41 and 42 42 is 41 is a very short chapter 42 is a medium one with Shalon yet again we get some Shalon Shalon <laughs> looking forward to it yeah me too 
If um, you want to support the show, the best way you can do so is to rate and review when you can. Or you know what? Word of mouth works great too. Tell people. Tell people there's this show where these two guys are somewhat good at talking to each other and they are reading a really long, in-depth book. It's sort of good to listen to. You can tell your friends that and maybe they'll listen. Um, if you want to support the show directly, you could always go to patreon.com slash heroes of. Um, you can find us on uh, the Storm Pod on Facebook. Um, you can reach out at uh, Twitter on Heroes of One or on Facebook at Heroes of Acathra. We um, we don't just do this. We talk about D&D. We talk about all kinds of other things. You can go on and see uh, a lot of Jack's terrain builds for D&D on the uh, Instagram. They're amazing pieces of art. And they are pieces of art. They, um, you know, it takes a lot of, uh, a lot of ingenuity and creativity to do that. Um, maybe... Maybe you are a blue bar jam guy, a little mysterious <laughs> a little terrain bit builder mysterious. over there. Mysterious and mysterious. Well, it was uh, fun <laughs> to do this again. And uh, uh, how do we? How do you want to end this? Jeez, I'm I think we. we, like we, we a... I think we end by uh, that. That next time, uh, Sean will be informing us what type of jam he prefers. I'm a jam guy. I just eat it right out of the fucking jar. <laughs> spoon <laughs> and a lid off and I'm off to the races well uh, hope you enjoy the episode and uh, we can catch you next time take care everybody Storm Pod is brought to you by Heroes Of theme song by Jack Forrest Productions additional music by Jason Moray produced by Jack, J, Phil, Mike and Sean the heroes of Hakathra.